The fact that you don't believe the resurrection means you don't believe the word. So you don't know the word and you don't know the power of God. Why? Because the power of God, the work of the spirit is to resurrect us from the dead. See, the Bible is not God. The Bible is God's way for us to understand uniquely and specifically who he is. But the God of the Bible is a God of power who has conquered death. Jesus will be asked some tough questions today in this message, ones that spark some challenges for us too. The Bible teaches that the resurrection is real and is a necessary truth in our lives, but people still don't believe it. If we can't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, how can we believe in eternity? Pastor Daniel wants each of us to examine whether or not we believe in the resurrection, even more importantly, in Jesus and the Bible. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 22 with part two of his message, Resurrection Matters. I think what happens for some of us is that we have the tendency to, in the things of the Bible, that you can get so focused trying to look at these very, very interesting things that you think are interesting where you totally miss the most important things. We get bogged down in the minutia. A great example of this, of course, is the people who are so smart about the Bible that they fail to love people who don't agree with them, right? Where it's like, they know everything. It's like, you meet those people, they have a Bible, they show up, they have that frown on their face because they just came looking for an argument with you. Why? Because they develop their self-understanding by saying, I'm smarter at the Bible than you. And I love when I meet those people because I say things like this. I'm like, it's amazing. You read the Bible, you completely missed the point. I'm like, you know everything about everything except you missed the greatest commandment that you should love God and you should love your neighbor. And guess what I am? Your neighbor. So nothing better than being the smartest dumb person in God's kingdom. Now, I'm from New Jersey, so I talk that way to people. And then I smile at them and I hope I don't get my teeth knocked out, you know? But I do realize that they might not hit me because they actually do know their Bible. I say might not. I haven't gotten hit yet, but one of these days, someone's going to get mad at me. But I think what happens is, is oftentimes, and here's the thing, I am not advocating not thinking. One commentator said it this way, God wants us to have a childlike faith, but not a childlike intellect. That's a good word, isn't it? God gave us these brains, so we use it. But even in using our brains, we have to make sure that we don't get bogged down in minutiae. I find this, this happens a lot of times with men in a unique way when it comes to understanding Bible prophecy. Because in some ways for a man, maybe it's not all men, but I meet guys like this who they're so focused on Bible prophecy and their wives are like, I just want to be loved. And he's focused on all this stuff and numerology and all this crazy stuff. And I just want him to just hold my hand. And you're just like, what? But in all the minutia, in all the minutia, Stuff going on. I'm seeing it with, and I have friends who are part of a, a movement of churches, and they're splitting up right now over what? Nothing. Over nothing. Over 
different ways to express the same belief. But that's what happens. You know why? Because they're bogged down. They're missing the big things. Things like the father loves it when the brethren dwell together in unity. It's so simple, but yet it isn't. But let me ask you this question. Is your spiritual life getting bogged down by things that aren't important? Are you so busy in the minutia of trying to understand something that you're missing the biggest things? I don't know about you. I find my life gets bogged down all over the place. I feel like I'm like the guy off-roading driving a Hyundai. <laughs> Where it's like I get bogged down like, I just go off-road, I get stuck. And I don't know why that is, but it's like, but I'm constantly like, Lord, I want my life not to get bogged down. Because the Sadducees, they have this position, they don't even ask Jesus a real question. They're so busy trying to make their point that they're missing the point. And is that you today? I think there's some of you in here right now, you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus because you have decided in your mind in trying to understand the Bible that it doesn't make sense. But what you don't even realize is that the things of the spirit, which is what the Bible is, are spiritually discerned. So you can't even hope to understand what you're reading because the spirit of God does not yet dwell in you because you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus. There's certain truths that cannot be known except from the inside, but you're bogged down. You're like, oh, well, the reason I don't believe the Bible is this and this. And you come up with all this stuff. But really what it is, is if you were to just put your faith and trust in Jesus, in the course of time, Jesus reveals all sorts of stuff to us. But it comes from a relationship. In the same way, you can know lots of people, but until you're married to someone, you don't really know them. Like all that they are. Right, And in the same way, with the things of Jesus, you have to commit your life to him so that he can reveal himself in you with all of the nuances of what all this stuff means. See, the Sadducees should have come and said, Jesus, will you explain to us something that we don't understand? But instead, they're asking him questions about things they don't even believe in because it doesn't even really matter to them. And Jesus' response to these bogged down Sadducees is very important because look what it says. Jesus answered in verse 29 and said to them, you are mistaken not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are like the angels of God in heaven. Do you see what Jesus Jesus says? You are in error or that word can say you are deceived. My translation says you are mistaken. Why? Not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. So if that is an error, then brothers and sisters, we need to know the word and the power. You need to know the word and the power of God. Now, I think this is super important that literally this verse, I remember the very first time I heard my pastor, Pastor John Henry Corcoran, preach this text. And he said, oh, let us never be mistaken like the Sadducees because they erred. They did not know the word of God nor the power of God. And my friends, this reality, the word and the power, both of them together, because you know what can happen? We live in a day and age where people can know the word and not know the power of God, or they know the power of God and they don't know the word of God, and both sides are missing it. They both go together. You want to know the word of God and the power of God. Now, what's another word for the power of God? 
the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. We believe here at Crossroads that the Bible is the word of God and the spirit is the living reality of God in personal form in the world. And we do not want the word without the power. And we do not want the power without the word. We want the word and the power together because that is what God ordained. Because you know what happens? If you know the word without the power, I'll put it this way. If you have the word without the spirit, you dry up. You ever meet a crusty old Bible thumper? They're angry at the world, but they know their word, right? Just yesterday, I was on YouTube. This was recommended for you. Some pastor's up there. He's like, I don't believe in this, and I don't believe in this. I don't like that pastor. I don't like that pastor. I'm like, man, this guy makes me want to take a shower. Because it's like, it's all negative. It's like, I hate the body of Christ because they believe differently than me. It's like, no, you just want to slap them around. Like, come on. But if you have the word without the power, you drive. You know what happens? Because that's one end of the spectrum. And then you have the other end of the spectrum is you have this power of the spirit without the word of God. You know what happens when you have the power without the word? You blow up. It's true. There are people, they love the Holy Spirit, but they won't crack their Bibles at all. And they don't realize that what they are doing goes completely against God's word for how the spirit is meant to function. And so you have all these things. They love Jesus and they're passionate about Jesus. And every time some new little thing goes on, they go running after it because I want to have the experience. I want to have the experience. But if you read your word, what you find is the spirit of God indwells you. You don't have to go running around. Like we have it right now. There are churches where the spirit are doing some interesting things. I don't want to say that they're biblical because I'm not sure, but people go run to all that stuff. They run to this church, they run to this church, they run down here, we run down to California, we run up to Alaska, we go down to this place and this place, there's revivals happening. Listen, revival happens anywhere the spirit of God is. And if you are in Christ, revival is happening in your life. But what you have is they're not cracking their Bibles. Like I've heard one of these revivalist, charismatic preachers says, we need to get rid of the Bible, the Bible's holding us back. And I'm like, Wow. And people start clapping and they're shouting out a shit about a Hyundai. And I'm like, what is going on? People only say a shit about a Hyundai in church. I've used Hyundai twice in this sermon just for this reason. Now, if you drive a Hyundai, I'm not knocking your ride. Listen, they're economical cars. But you know what I'm saying? People are leaving now. They're like, I'm out of here. He's anti-Hyundai driving. What's up with this guy? Like, Jesus is the living word and he is the written word. And so the Spirit's job is to point us to the Word. But what happens is people don't want the Word of God because the Word of God keeps us out of emotionalism and hems us in. You get that, right? The Word of God's job is to make sure we don't get in the flesh in the name of the Spirit. That's why it's there. And that's also why people don't like it. Because there's something about the experience of God that because we're fallen, we want to lean into that more than we want the Bible to hem us in. So, brothers and sisters, the Sadducees made two mistakes. One, they knew the scriptures, but they didn't believe what it said. Because, as we're going to see, Jesus, the Bible teaches the resurrection. The fact that you don't believe the resurrection means you don't believe the word. It's like you don't know the word and you don't know the power of God. Why? Because the power of God, the work of the spirit is to resurrect us from the dead. See, the Bible is not God. The Bible is God's way for us to understand 
uniquely and specifically who he is, but the God of the Bible is a God of power who has conquered death. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, listen to this, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. Now, how does the good news of Jesus bring the power of God unto salvation through the ministry of the Holy Spirit who takes that reality of Jesus and he applies it to our lives? And then we walk in the Spirit. As it says in Romans chapter 8, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in you and in me. And that power is the power of the Holy Spirit. So brothers and sisters, we need to know the word and the power of God. We don't ever want to make the mistake of knowing one more than the other because they are two equal parts of what God wants to do in our life. That is why as a church, I've always told you, Pastor Bill Ritchie, our founding pastor before me, stuck to the word of God even when it's not popular. And I promise you that from this pulpit, you will only ever hear the word of God. Not my, if I'm giving you my opinion, I'll say, this is my opinion. But we are gonna be word people and we are gonna be power of God people. That's who we're gonna be. That's who we've always been. That's who we're always gonna be because Jesus said it, you are mistaken not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. So when Jesus says that you're mistaken, if you don't know those two, then guess what? We ain't going to make that mistake. And brothers and sisters, we need to make sure that we own that part of our lives. Because guess what? Me teaching you the word will not make you a person who knows the word. I did say that. Me teaching you the word on Sunday by Sunday or Sunday and Wednesday is not, you need to feed yourself every single day. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, I don't know about you. If I don't eat food for a day, I'm kind of grumpy. And if you don't read God's word every day, you're going to be spiritually kind of grumpy because you need it. It is your spiritual food. So brothers and sisters, I want you to grab your Bibles at home and I want you to grab a journal. And every single day, I want you to read that thing because your life depends on it. And what happens is you come here and we gather together. We never forsake ourselves assembling together. But what we do is we come together and I try and feed you something. But my feeding is supposed to help guide you as you're feeding yourself every single day. It's kind of like you don't always go out to eat, right? Or you shouldn't. Right? You got to feed yourself at home and you supplement and you enjoy going out to eat, but you feed yourself. Because, listen, I try my best to always stick with the word. I try my best to always be solid. But listen, if you don't know the word yourself, if some teacher gives you some false doctrine, how do you know? You need to be people who are discerning. Our Bible tells us. I don't think I'm teaching bad doctrine, but if the word corrects me, if someone comes to me, I have people sometimes that say, hey, so what about this verse? How does this all work? We do that a lot on Wednesday night where people can ask their questions and we're trying to understand, hey, how does this all work together? You need to be people of the book. And you need people who know the God of the book who is a God of power. It says in the book of Zechariah, it's not by power nor by might, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Are you spirit-filled? 
Are you driven about this life by the Spirit? Is the testimony of your life Spirit-drenched? Just the way I can't make you a person of the Word, you have to do that yourself, I can't make you a Spirit-filled believer either. You have to submit yourself to the work of the Spirit every single day. You have to say, Lord, will you top me off afresh with your Holy Spirit? Now, what's interesting is from there, Jesus rebukes their question because he also says in verse 30, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. Now, what I want you to know about this, and I think this is important, is that marriage is temporary. It's a temporary experience. So enjoy your spouse while you can because it is a temporary experience. See, it says here that in the resurrection... They neither marry nor are given in marriage. So what that means is that you get to be married to your spouse on this side of eternity, but you are scot-free in the afterlife. (laughs) Now, people always say, well, what does that mean? Yes, you're going to know each other because everyone's going to know as they're known, but the companionship of a man and a woman is necessary for this side of eternity, but it is not what eternity is going to be about. You're going to know your spouse, but you're not going to have to agree on the temperature in the bedroom. (laughs) So you get to enjoy our spouses as our companions on this side of eternity. But in the resurrection, you will not be, you become like the angels. Doesn't mean that you become angels, but the angels are not married or given in marriage. It's not bad that the angels are alone. So God made them helper comparable to them, as it says, that the angels, they are completed in God and they move through the world, the eternal world as it works. And in the same way, your marriage is temporary. And you know what? When I think about that, I started thinking, you know, when something's temporary and you know that it's temporary, you know that it won't be there forever. You seek to enjoy it the most that you can while it's there. And for those of you who are married, can I just encourage you, do your best to enjoy your spouse. I know that marriage is hard. Man, I don't have a perfect marriage. I mean, she's perfect. I'm a mess. And so it's hard for her. But it's like, you got to do your best to enjoy what you got while you got it. And it's not easy. There's water goes under the bridge. Things happen. But it's a choice that you make to say, I'm going to enjoy this person. The good, the bad, the not so pretty, the beautiful. I'm going to make a decision to enjoy it. And if you're here today and you're single, and you want to be married, you need to say, Lord, will you teach me how to enjoy people I don't necessarily agree with? Because 99 out of 100 marriages are people who don't fit so hot together at times. I believe that. Every once in a while, you, I'll hear a pastor, like, me and my wife have never had a fight. I'm like, you should not talk about marriage then. Everyone else is discouraged right now. <laughs> Pastor's got a perfect marriage. I want to kill my spouse. Can I get an amen? Yeah, see? That's real life. See, Jesus, no, he puts together knowing that it's hard. Why? Because good things happen when things are hard. God does a work when things are not easy. But your marriage is temporary. So don't you have to think it's not an eternal thing. You'll know each other in eternity, but things will function differently. Look at what it says. He moves from there. Verse 31, he says, but concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, 
but the God of the living. My friends, we need to be resurrected alive. That's what this means. We need to be resurrected alive. See, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection and they didn't believe in angels, but Jesus brings up the resurrection and angels, right? And then he says to them, but concerning the resurrection, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? And he quotes Exodus chapter three, verse six. This little phrase, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, this happens in that very important event in Exodus chapter three where God wanted to deliver the children of Israel from Egypt and he wanted Moses to be the vehicle for that. And so God met Moses at the burning bush and God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He also revealed himself as the I am who I am. And then Jesus interprets this text. He says, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. See, what he's saying is that if Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who for hundreds of years had been gone, if they are not alive, then it says, he would have said, I was the God of Abraham. I was the God of Isaac. It would have been in the past tense, but he says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. Why? Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were resurrected from the grave. And my friends, you want to talk about perspective? The resurrection is real. And this life is momentary, but there is an eternal life in the hereafter that is only available to you in Christ. You might say, well, wait, hold on. How is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob resurrected if Jesus hasn't been resurrected from the grave? Because if you read the book of Romans, the book of Romans teaches us that there were people who died before the death and resurrection of Jesus who hoped in the God of grace. The God who would apply his grace to their life and set them free. We like to say that there are people who died with messianic hope, right? It says in the Bible that when Jesus died, he went down to set the captives free. It would seem that when Jesus died on the cross, there were two compartments. There was a place of torment and there was a place of blessing. And when Jesus resurrected from the grave, he brought all the people who died hoping in the resurrection with them. But now on this side of eternity, we know that the resurrection has a name, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel made us aware that we can't accurately fathom eternity. We know it won't be like what we experience here on earth, but there's no way to know exactly what will happen. Jesus does promise us one thing, though. He is and will forever be with us. He is the God of everyone who came before us and everyone who will come after. Jesus will never change, and we can trust that our eternal home with him will be incredible. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just 
receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone. Text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel points out the pertinent information we need to know as Christians. These tenets of our faith will be the ones we must cling to through every step of our faith journey. We need to be firmly rooted in who God is and who He wants us to be as we interact with the world around us. You won't want to miss this edition of the Real Talk series. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.